0: 7 FM. Arizona Sports. Arizona Sports. It is very much a money, money Saturday here on Arizona Sports Saturday, live from the auction Community Studios, Mitch Varelda, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass, our lead columnist and co-host of the Bickley and Murata Morning Show. Dan Bickley had a great term for it in his column recently. He called it the Big Bag Summer, yeah. and then I completely That's butchered right. it in my tweet, trying to like, give Bic as much credit as I could. Steve Keim, Cliff Kingsbury, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Kyler Murray. That was on Thursday. And today, from ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, literally three hours ago, Monty Williams extended as the coach of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, listen, this is about stability. That's the biggest word that comes to mind for me, is stability.
1: They found a coach three years ago that they really loved. Uh, apparently, at the time, I seem to remember the Lakers really wanted Monty Williams as well. And anybody that the Lakers is going after at the same time as the Suns, obviously there's some rivalry there, or at least coming from the Phoenix perspective, probably not from the L.A. perspective. <laughs> they got their guy, and they got the right one. I don't think there's a lot of guys in the NBA right now that you can argue are better NBA coaches than Monty Williams. He's the two-time winner of the Coach of the Year uh, from the Coaches Association. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was assistant coach on Team USA under Coach K. I think that matters a lot, especially if you're talking about the possibility of landing superstars like Kevin Durant. There's a reason Chris Paul wanted to play under Monty Williams because of their relationship in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. He established a culture. He established a winning culture on the basketball court. You can tell that the players actually genuinely love this man And want to run through a brick wall for this man, he established... Listen, Devin Booker was here long before this team started winning games. DeAndre Ayton was here before they started winning games. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until Monty and Chris Paul showed up when this team really built a bench. That could establish this team as a really good NBA franchise. He comes around they, in the first season. It wasn't the greatest regular season, I'll grant you. But in the bubble, they went 8-0. No. That means something. That's yes. a turning point. Yes. Second season, you go to the NBA Finals. You're up 2-0 in the NBA Finals. Now, it didn't go the way that you wanted, but you still went to the Finals in your second season as head coach. Third season, you win 64 games. You set the franchise record for most victories in a season. There's argument to be made already that Monty Williams is one of the greatest coaches in Suns history. Of course he would extend that guy. Of course you would. And by the way, he still has two years left on the original deal. We don't know the details of this new extension. It could be two years. It could be three. It could be four. It could be more than that. I don't know. Right. But... You have to add two to whatever this extension is, and that's how long he's
0: locked up. So the speculation I had, because you and I agree that several years, as Woj termed it in his report, several years can mean anything from as few as, like, two or three to as many as, like, ten to twenty. Several has so many different ways to interpret it. My interpretation of it was the length of Devin Booker's extension. Devin Booker will be a member of the Phoenix Suns with his Supermax extension – through the 2028 season so my guess is is that monty williams is tied up until that point as well at minimum monty williams could of course be extended longer he could be extended shorter but i think it makes sense to do this alignment of having your coach and your star player being there at the same time the cardinals are doing it too the head coach, the GM, and the quarterback—we talked about this already. They're all locked up through 2028 as well. It would make sense for Monty Williams and Devin Booker to be Phoenix Suns through the 2028 season. I'm doing some quick math. Real- okay. Okay. Vigorously typing into the calculator app. Do this, what you got? With,
1: yeah. Do this with me here.
0: Okay. Kyler Murray got 230
1: million. Okay. 230 and a half. 160 oh, well. guaranteed. So he got 230 million. Devin Booker got two hundred twenty-four million, I think it was. Okay, DeAndre Ayton got one hundred and thirty-three million. Yep. And I'm going to throw Cattell Marte in there. He's the best player on the Arizona Diamondbacks. He deserves some credit. Was They're I right? Was around it, around it five and seventy or was uh, it around there? seventy-six? Okay, I think is what it is. Seventy-six million. Add those four players up, and in the last couple of months, those were all this season, all yep. this year. Yep, six hundred and sixty-three million dollars, and that does not include the extensions for Cliff Kingsbury. Steve Kime, James Jones, and Monty Williams. Did
0: I miss the James Jones extension?
1: I don't know when that would have happened, but was that this offseason? season? Um, I don't know, but he's he's around. I'll have to look that one up. I don't well, know the answer. So to that.
0: Either way, it's been a very busy summer for Arizona, and this is just another addition in what was a various a very excuse me obvious move to make. Like, uh, to this point, story is from Jan- Sorry to interrupt, January
1: twenty okay. fifth. 2022. This happened so just this before calendar the post-season. year. Suns signed GM James Jones to an extension. Not over the summer, but just before the postseason. All this year. That's crazy. All in 2022, this has happened. I mean, everybody you would want to stick around in Arizona sports has been signed to some sort of extension in the last seven
0: months. So, who would we be waiting on from the Coyotes then? I mean, there's nobody I'm really like. Not like a Keller? Static about.
1: No. Uh, yeah, I'd be okay with that. A Chikrin? Those would probably be the, the only thing two is, right now. The thing is, so yesterday, Gambo and I talked with Bill Armstrong, the GM of the Arizona Coyotes, who's uh-huh. going through an obvious rebuild. Very I mean, they obvious just, rebuild. They, what did they have? Like three first-round picks, a bunch of second-round picks. They, they gutted moved around. the whole roster. Yeah, they've redone the entire team. So uh, there's not a lot of stability there already. They're not at the point yet where they have gone after
0: a star player. That can come later. Right. But going after and already having are two different things. Right. Right. Like, Cattell Marte was already on this team. Devin Booker was already on his team. Kyler Murray, already on his team. The point being is that where is that guy that the – then we won't go further on this, but where is that guy that the Coyotes have that they'll hold on to and claim as their piece for the future? Because it feels like the Suns are miles ahead of the other four, the other three teams, I should say, here in the Valley, of the big four. And then you've got the Cardinals, who at least have their identity going forward as to who they're going to be and who's going to lead this team. The Diamondbacks are getting there. They're very clearly on the lower end of the standings. They're not in a position to make the playoffs any time in the next two years, really. But they've got a lot of exciting talent on the way, and they've made it clear who they want to foundate that roster. Whereas with the Coyotes, we just don't see it yet. Now, with Monty Williams, you're guaranteed that stability that the Suns have lacked in several years. I pointed out a tweet from Kellen Olsen earlier today, our Kellen Olsen at Arizonasports.com. 149 wins in three seasons, four head coaches over the previous five seasons, 126 wins. That's huge. It's pretty good.
1: It's just, I mean, to me, it's the year, it's the year of the contract extension. It's the year that Arizona sports solidifies all of the consistency that we're starting to see. The Arizona Cardinals last year were the number one team in the NFL for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it didn't last. There was a second half slide and then obviously the horrible playoff game against the Rams. All that aside, at one point, they were the number one team. Statistically, by record, all of those things. Kyler Murray was an MVP candidate at the time. People were talking about Cliff Kingsbury. Bill Belichick said Cliff Kingsbury should be the coach of the year at one point last season.
0: Crazy times, man.
1: At the same time, the Suns were the best team in the NBA. They were coming off of the finals appearance. They had just won like 20 games in a row, like 18 games in a row, something like that. They did, they had multiple win streaks last season that were in double digits, multiple times. They were the number one team in the, in the regular season. There is stability in Arizona sports that we haven't seen possibly ever at the same time between the Cardinals and the Suns.
0: Which is huge because those are your two money makers. And, yeah. y- and you're guaranteed... the two most popular teams in town. You're guaranteed also to have playoff basketball for a while. You've already made it the last two years, so any year missed out on the postseason for this iteration of the Suns is going to be a massive disappointment. Right, yeah. The Arizona Cardinals cracked the postseason last year for the first time in, what was it, a half decade, right? And now you're locked into this triumvirate of leaders in Kyler Murray and Cliff and Kime, plus the Super Bowl's going to be here this year. And the last two Super Bowls have featured the host team. Yeah.
1: What's so obvious to me... Is with the Cardinals locking up their GM, coach, and quarterback. That's the trio, uh, the best trio of any good organization in football. Sure. You have those three things. you got a solid foundation to build upon. Uh In the NBA, the Suns have locked up James Jones, their GM, their coach, and then also your superstar player. That's a foundation of any good NBA team. They're kind of following the same format right now. And I know they're in a little bit different places. You know, the Aiton thing was a, was a big question mark for the last couple of weeks. So, will they, won't they? Do they want him here? Are they trying to trade him? Uh, and then they signed, the, they signed the offer sheet in three minutes or whatever it took. They clearly wanted DeAndre Aiton back. It was just about what dollar value were we going to pay him at? Sure. $663 million have been handed out in extensions this year between all of those players. And that doesn't include the coaches, doesn't include the GMs. $663 million.
0: It feels good to know that there's commitment to these Valley teams, too, right? Because what was it? For the longest time, and I mean, granted, still for the longest time of the Big Four, there's only one championship. And there's been a lot of turnover between the four teams as to, you know, successes and failures. Like, the Kurt Warner times with the Arizona Cardinals were a high point. But then after that, until they got to Carson Palmer, it was very much a low point. The Suns' high point was the Steve Nash run following the Charles Barkley run. And then there was 10 years of mediocrity while they were trying to figure out what the heck they were trying to do. The Diamondbacks, with their Paul Goldschmidt era of time, and they were here and there, in and out of the postseason while he was a member there. And now they're trying to start over and trying to build back better. And then the Coyotes haven't really had a lot of success since moving from Winnipeg down here to Arizona. So it's nice, to your point, about the stability going forward, that there is some true commitment to these teams here in the Valley. And eventually, it's going to lead to a lot of success as well.
1: Well, and I think probably the best part of this for me, looking at at both these two teams, the Cardinals and the Suns, is that back, I mean, just as recently as like five years ago maybe, all we talked about with the Suns was where are we going to get our superstar? Yeah. And you didn't have to go and find one. You didn't have to convince one to come to town. You had him all along. You had him all al- Well, they developed him. Sure. And that wasn't a thing the Suns did for a long time. Right. And that wasn't a thing the Cardinals did for a long time. Where are we going to find our quarterback once Carson Palmer's gone? We don't really have a backup option. Let's go with Sam Bradford. Let's draft this Rosen kid. And now, all of a sudden, you developed the superstars and you were able
0: to keep them. That's the goal all along. The future of the Diamondbacks, since we were just talking about them. Looks brighter than ever, especially following last night's win. But who's not going to be part of that future? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports
1: station. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. It's Arizona Sports Saturday. Steve Zinsmeister, Mitch, for this with you. Thanks for spending part of your weekend here with us. Fresh into my email inbox. Just your email? Uh, well, you probably got it too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have access to your I'm emails. And I'm teasing. Thanks. Go God. ahead. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, from the Arizona Diamondbacks. D-backs agree to terms with first-round pick Drew Jones. You would know Drew Jones as the son of Andrew Jones, the gold glover in center field for the Braves. At least that's what I know him as growing up watching him on the Braves. Drew Jones was the second pick in last week's draft. He's an outfield prospect and one that Mike Hazen hopes will be a center fielder for the future
0: for this Diamondbacks team. How about this? I believe today is Star Wars Day at the park. It also says in this release he's going to be taking batting practice, be available to the media, and throw the ceremonial first pitch. Oh, cool. Do you you think he he has an arm? Is he the chosen one to save this Diamondbacks franchise and Um, bring balance to Arizona sports?
1: I don't know, man. I mean, listen, in baseball in particular, you can have one great player and never win a playoff game. Can you just let me have my I just named Mike Trout just a second ago. (sighs) I mean... Chosen one in baseball. I So, like, Bryce Harper got labeled the chosen one in high school. Steven Strasberg. Stra- well, yeah. There's two Nationals, right? It, it doesn't do you any good. I mean, yeah, I, the Nationals didn't win anything with Bryce Harper.
0: It was only after he left, right? They won with Juan Soto.
1: Yeah. Well, then Maybe he's the chosen one. <laughs> uh, is Drew Jones the chosen one? I don't know. But he's a really good player, and you'll probably see him in the majors and then, I don't know. Not super distant future just but probably, probably like three my or four Star years. Wars
0: play on words okay that's fair enough it why is today Star Wars day isn't that usually May 4th I don't know May the 4th. I don't know. Be with you. But Drew know. Jones is going to be an exciting part of this Diamondbacks future. Is he
1: not? Uh, he's a Gatorade Georgia Player of the Year in 2022. The guy hit like, I don't know, like 700. Uh, yeah. It was 570 was his average. 675 on base. That's he's good. crazy. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's incredible. He's a great hitter. Very advanced. He's a high school player, though, so he might take a couple of years to get to the majors. Hopefully, he just breezes through the minors. Uh, How about this?
0: That would be the best idea. His dad made the bigs at 19. You think Drew Jones can fly through the minors in one year?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say it's impossible. Some guys do that. So like, wasn't if, it Mike Leake who went straight to the majors? There's been a few. Like, yeah, some there's of the been some guys. Like some of
0: that. the guys have been like college World Series winners and then get added to a, a World Series roster, like Brandon Finnegan when he was with uh, was it TCU or Kansas State, one of the purple schools, and then he joined the Royals in 2015. Like that stuff's pretty cool.
1: Uh, Taking a look at the MLB standings, it doesn't look too promising for the Diamondbacks as they uh, just started the second half yesterday. Great start for Zach Gallen, by the way. Absolutely. Facing facing former Diamondback Patrick Corbin, who's been just awful
0: since he went to Washington. He's been talks of a contract dump in a Juan Soto trade.
1: Yeah, now that's possibility that uh, the Nationals would want to add his bad contract to a deal with Juan Soto, just to a team just to take him away, uh, get them out of that disaster. But for the Diamondbacks, as you are... Not really in contention for a wild card at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, I haven't looked at the wild card standings in a minute. They're a few games out. They are currently eight games out of a wild card spot. St. Louis a- is still on the outside looking in too, and they're they're fifty and forty five. Arizona is eleven games under five hundred.
0: It's not a ton of games out, but the the likelihood of it because their second half of the schedule is just brutal. They, they've got the Mets again, they've got the Padres, they've got the Dodgers. They've got a lot of teams that are fighting for playoff spots right now. And it's going to be a tough road for the Diamondbacks. One thing they don't have is a lot of time to figure out the direction that you want to go at the trade
1: deadline. They've got about two and a half weeks.
0: Is it Less, weeks? actually. I was going to say it's less than that. A week and a half. The
1: deadline is August 2nd. Yes. So you have a week and three days to make moves. A week and almost a half. Right. What we know, Gambo has reported that there are three players likely to be moved at the deadline. Mm-hmm. They are David Peralta, Long-time Diamondback outfielder. Uh Ian Kennedy, two-time Diamondback. And Zach Davies. Those are the names he lists are likely to be moved. David Peralta, obviously a left handed hitting corner outfielder. That's valuable to a lot of organizations. We know, in particular, the Yankees seem interested in outfielders. Yep. Uh, I don't know if that would be a cheaper option for them than, say, Andrew
0: Benintendi, or if, who knows, if they make a huge move for well, Juan Soto. The wrinkle with Benintendi now is because he missed all four games that Kansas City played in Toronto. He's unvaccinated. And the Yankees play against the Blue Jays quite a bit here down. The stretch, yeah, that's a risky
1: move. I think they have six games left in Toronto in the regular season, and then there's the odds that you play them in the playoffs, right? So, do you really want to go and trade for a guy who might not be available, or unless he promises you that he's going to get vaccinated? I I don't know if he's willing to go that route. Yeah, Yeah,
0: there's a lot of factors in that. So, Peralta might be a better option for them. Peralta could move, or as
1: Gambo said, was likely to be moved. As we know, we talked about Drew Jones. I mean, there's plenty of other great outfielder prospects. We see Alec Thomas, who might be rookie of the year in the National League, or at least he's one of the top rookies he's in the National League. He's in the League.
0: conversation.
1: We've got Corbin Carroll in AAA. He is now the third-ranked prospect in all of baseball and continues to mash. He's now in AAA. We know he's going to hit in AAA because it's the PCL and because he's a great player. So right. hope to see him, uh, if not by the end of the season, hopefully in spring training and maybe a shot at making the team next year. And then Dalton Varsho is still out there. Mm-hmm. And unless he's playing catcher in the near future, which is a possibility, he's still a part of this outfield. So David Peralta, he's 34. He's hitting 235. This season, I saw, is the first season he's ever had more strikeouts than hits. So it's probably time to move on. It doesn't mean he wasn't a great player here for a
0: long time. He'll be remembered.
1: Yeah, and he was former pitcher in the Cardinals organization, converts to outfielder, hits like 282, I think, for his career. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good story. That's a really good story. So if you move off him, there should be no shame in that. Uh, Ian Kennedy, I don't know what you get for either of these guys, but It's a veteran reliever. Someone might take
0: that. Teams fighting down the stretch love veteran relievers. And then Zach Davies, who's a really, really cheap fifth starter. Expiring contract as well. The Diamondbacks only got him on a one-year deal, so you can... Get some value back for him rather than just letting him walk next season. So those are the dudes that are likely to be moved. Right. But the dudes who
1: are getting the most calls to the Diamondbacks, reportedly... Which should to John come Candidoro, as no
0: surprise
1: to the, us. The two they're getting the most calls on are Joe Mantiply.
0: All-star. Who's, who's an all-star. And Christian Walker. Well, so the obvious breakdown. Outside of Joe Mantiply being an all-star and his ridiculous stat line that he's produced so far this season... He is a left-handed relief pitcher who can pitch in the clutch. And what do baseball teams in the postseason love more than a relief pitcher who can pitch in the clutch? A left-handed pitcher who can pitch in the clutch in the postseason. And Joe Mantiply fits that mold very well. The tricky thing with Mantiply, because he hasn't had a lot of Major League service time, he still has four years of arbitable control before a team has to... You know, let him go or he reaches undraft free agency. The other, other downside with that is that he's 31 years old. It took him a while to get to this point, and it's a great story that he made the all-star team, and his value is never going to be higher than it is right now. And if you're the Diamondbacks and you understand that the direction you're going is not going to be a positive one this year, capitalize on that right now. Before it's too late. I would expect this trade deadline, when we're,
1: when it's all said and done for the Diamondbacks, I think it's going to look a lot like 2020's trade deadline.
0: And 2020's trade deadline well, did not go well. No, I was not a fan of 2020's trade deadline. So if that's the case, now I'm very worried. Well, and here's the parallel that I'll draw very quickly. In
1: 2020, they traded away Archie Bradley. Starling Marte. Starling Marte. Andrew, Marte, Marte, Andrew Chafin, Chafin. And Robbie Ray. And Robbie Ray. Now, in hindsight, what makes that so bad is that you got almost nothing for Robbie Ray, and then he turned around and won the Cy Young the next season. Yep. Uh, Andrew Chafin is still a very good left-handed reliever in baseball, so give away for not much. I don't even
0: know who they got back from the Cubs. And it was a
1: very low-level prospect. Exactly. It was, uh, Ronnie Simon, something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Marte, you got Caleb Smith. Humberto Mejia. And Humberto Mejia. And then some other dude that they've already cut. I think it was Frias. Uh, His last name was Frias. I can't remember. They have two Mm. Frias, I think. And then um, Archie, you got Stuart Fairchild, who's already gone. And
0: Josh Van Beter,
1: who's also already gone. gone.
0: So you got nothing from that trade You got back Caleb Smith for four guys. That does not make me feel good at all. If this this deadline goes exactly as that one, I don't know what to think of this team anymore. Well, I I, want to
1: set realistic expectations. Most of the guys we just mentioned, Peralta... Kennedy,
0: maybe even Mantiply, I don't think you're getting a whole lot. You can get a lot more for Kennedy, and it would have helped if he didn't get injured. Yeah, Like I said, teams that are fighting in the postseason want as good of a bullpen and as deep of a bullpen as you can get. And Kennedy was the second leader in saves last season. Like, no, he's not matching the value that he pitched at last year, but he's still valuable. And it goes back to what I said about Joe Mantiply. If they can't get good return for those two, if they end up trading them, it's going to be a huge disaster of a deadline for the Snakes.
1: It was the big breaking news that came down just this morning. A major sports figure in the Valley has a new contract extension. No, I'm not even talking about Kyler Murray. It's someone else now. You're going to want to hear this next on Arizona Sports Saturday. <music>
0: Arizona Sports goes local. It's Arizona Sports Saturday, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Final half hour here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch Verreldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Trevor Henry behind the glass. And, oh, thank goodness we had something to talk about today, right? I was so worried heading into today, we weren't going to be able to talk about anything, and then we got saved at 9 o'clock this morning when Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN reported the news. Phoenix Suns coach Monty Williams has agreed on a long-term contract extension. The former coach of the year, two years left on his original five-year deal, now under contract for several more seasons.
1: There's so many things that I loved about the Monty Williams signing from the beginning. It was... His The fact that he had been an, NF, uh, an NBA head coach earlier in New Orleans, that mm-hmm. the players seemed to respect him a lot. He had been a highly respected assistant with several different organizations. He was assistant coach uh, under Coach K for Team USA. I think that carries a lot of weight with players. You hear all the time about superstar players and how they built those relationships, not only with their teammates, but with those coaches as well. I think it speaks volumes of him. The fact that the Lakers were going after Monty Williams at the time, that
0: the Suns were also, and the Suns get the guy the Lakers want—that just doesn't compute in most scenarios. We talked about it in the first segment of the show. Like that was a win at the time, and now we're beating the Lakers at something. We're now looking at it at a completely different lens because here we here we are three years later under Monty Williams. We've had the eight-zero bubble run, the miraculous run to the finals, and two wins away, of course. And then last year, the best regular season record in Phoenix Suns history and the best record in the entire NBA. Of course, we look at that differently now, but the recurring theme that we've had throughout the show today has been stability. And this is a very stable piece to keep with this organization. What
1: was that stat that Kellen Olsen had
0: earlier at ArizonaSports.com? Do you have that? Yes. It was like a winning percentage. Monty Williams, not a percentage, but a a total games won. 149 wins under Williams in his first three seasons as Suns head coach. I'm guessing that includes postseason. Now, the previous five years had four different head coaches and only 126 combined wins. Wow. So, in a five year span, Monty Williams has bettered that by himself in three. That's crazy. I mean, because. Like, if you want stability, there it is, right there.
1: Well, yeah, talk about the instability that the Suns have had over the last handful of years. I mean, even Monty's first season in Phoenix didn't go great necessarily, but they go 8 0 in the bubble, which really means something. I know that a lot of people don't think that that meant anything because they didn't make the playoffs that year, right. but. To go into that bubble with nothing to play for and to get your guys to play at that level where they were now 8-0, and this is before Chris Paul, by the way. Yeah. This is a Devin Booker-led team where they just took over, and and the culture really felt like it changed in the bubble. Then you bring in Chris Paul that offseason, and it changes everything again. Now all of a sudden you have one of the most highly respected, a top-ten player in the league in MVP voting two years in a row, you add Chris Paul to the mix, and that only happens because of Monty Williams. I firmly believe if Monty Williams is not the head coach of the Suns, Chris Paul does not end up in Phoenix. And you don't go to the NBA Finals in year two of Monty's contract, and then you don't become the greatest Suns team in the regular season in year three.
0: I agree with you on getting Chris Paul to Phoenix. You can't do that without Monty Williams. I have a hard time believing that they don't make the postseason and even don't push for the finals without Chris Paul. Is that how you were phrasing it, right? So you were saying without Monty Williams and Chris Paul, it wouldn't have been possible for them to get to the finals? Oh,
1: you don't make the finals without Chris Paul. I firmly believe that. I'm just saying you don't get Chris Paul without Monty, which, with fi- which means you don't go to the finals without Chris. So There's no way that that team that didn't make the playoffs... And basically just had Booker and Aiton and a bunch of dudes, right? I mean, Mikel was getting well, better. Okay. So let's there's look no at way th- they
0: were going to the finals without Chris. Let's look at this from a different lens. Because I think that the team that was constructed could make it to the finals without Chris. They would probably just have a different point guard. I think a lot of this, however, revolves around Monty. And a lot of Chris Paul coming to Phoenix was Monty. But it was just as much book, right? Oh, he played a role, no doubt. So I think it was still possible for this team to make it to the postseason and even push for the finals if they didn't have Chris Paul.
1: I'm not saying that Monty was the only reason Chris came here. I'm saying without Monty, Chris does not come. That's my opinion. It's not like I've been told by Chris Paul this information. I'm just saying I don't think without that guy, because of the relationship that they built in his early days, Chris's early days in New Orleans... Without
0: that, I don't think you have the relationship, and therefore the player doesn't end up here. Hey, look, sometimes you need more than one reason to go somewhere, right? Yeah, there was Kevin an amalgamation Durant, of things. Kevin Durant went to Brooklyn because Kyrie convinced him to. But what was thing number two? Chris Paul was convinced to go to Phoenix because of Monty Williams and Devin Booker. Like, two pillars of the Phoenix Suns organization at that time. That's security. security. Whereas, if you go just with your buddy to an organization because, oh, they've got the cap space to go there, that doesn't necessarily accomplish you anything. Because they got a new head coach as soon as the first year was done. Kevin Durant missed the first entire year because he was nursing back that Achilles injury. And look what it's gotten the Nets organization nothing. It's gotten them two trips to the playoffs, but nothing spectacular. What's interesting is there's not really a lot
1: of accolades left to achieve for Monty. He's very quickly, in only three seasons, he's accomplished most of the things that you set out to. Individually, and obviously hasn't won the title, right? That's like the big one that's still looming, is winning the NBA title. Of course. But obviously there's only ever been one COVID bubble. So there's it's not like everyone strives for going 8-0 every year in the bubble. It's only happened once. <laughs> yeah. So that gets knocked out of the way early. Like I mentioned, you make it to the finals. You go up 2-0 in the finals in your second year with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, That's monumental. Most coaches don't go to the NBA finals. He did in his second season with the Suns. Then the next year, you have the most successful, the best winning percentage of Any Suns team in history. This team's been around for a long time. 50 plus, almost 60 years. Five and a half decades this team has been around, and Monty Williams in his third season has the highest record, the best record, most wins in a season. He's accomplished almost everything that you want the guy to accomplish. He was coach of the year. He was named coach of the year twice by the coaches association. Those are other coaches saying Monty Williams is the best of us. He did it twice. There's not a lot of guys in the league that I would put over him. There, here are the guys that you could put into that conversation. Steve Kerr, certainly. He's sure. won a bunch of titles. He just won another one. Steve Kerr, I think, has a pretty good argument for being the best coach in the NBA. Greg Popovich. While he hasn't done anything recently, he certainly built a really great career. How about Mike Budenholzer? Mike Budenholzer has been very good. He's made it to the finals, won titles.
0: Beat the Suns beat in the, the finals. Sons. I think that's a good one. I bring that one up only because Budenholzer was a name at that time that the Suns hired Monty Williams, was also rumored to be the Suns head coach, and then there was the whole had the interview and then decided to go elsewhere, eventually went to the Bucks, and then two years later they won. Here
1: are some of the other guys that have higher winning percentages than Monty Williams. Let's, let's compare. Would you say that these guys are better head coaches than Monty Williams? Okay, Ime it, Udoka? Hasn't been around
0: very long with the Celtics. See, that one's hard well, to judge. But went to the finals. It's only been the one year for him, too. But I give him massive credit for, you know, sticking to his philosophy and being able to turn that Celtics team around. That Celtics team was just barely 500 entering the All-Star break. At worst, it's a push, right, between the two. Sure. But I'll give the edge to Monty
1: because I've seen more. Mike Brown. I'd rather Monty. Nick Nurse. Monty. Nick Nurse did win a championship in Toronto.
0: It, it was, was it Nick Nurse or was it Kawhi Leonard? Fair point. Steve Nash. Monty. I think you have
1: to pick Monty over Steve Nash. No
0: disrespect to Steve. You're a son's legend. You're a basketball legend. But coaching-wise, I don't know. You've been kind of put through the ringer in Brooklyn. Tyron Lue has a higher winning percentage. Ooh. A lot of that probably has to do with LeBron. There's and- also... Uh, okay. Now... I used to think like you, where Tyron Lue only got his success because of LeBron. In Cleveland, at least. That Clippers series against the the Suns last season was the perfect example of why Tyron Lue is overlooked at how good of a head coach he is. I would agree with you. All those adjustments that he made with a team that had Paul George and, a you know, the rest of the team, like Terrence Mann was going off. They They were rotating in Boogie Cousins for extended periods of time, and Boogie was barely playing any minutes for the Clippers at that point. Like the amount of adjusting that Tyron Lue did in that series was enough to convince me that he is much better than he's given credit for as a head coach. Ty Lue or Monty Williams? But Monty Williams is who I'm picking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that you that you were like, yes, he's I awesome, it, well, but I'll still pick Monty. I
0: think it's only fair to defend the guy. Yeah, he, no, I agree with you. He out coached Monty Williams for two of those six games. Eric Spolstra. Oh, I gotta go, Spol. Yeah, I think I would too.
1: The consistency. I mean, Miami is always a playoff Look, team. As long as Pat Riley
0: is there, Heat culture will live on. Doc Rivers. I'd rather have Monty right now. Doc Rivers it, has a good it, career. Okay, but is it
1: rather or is who's better? Who's the better coach right now? Who would you rather? I I think it's who would you rather have? I think it's kind of the same thing for me. Okay, who would you rather have, Monty take, or, or Doc Rivers? I'll take Monty.
0: I agree. It wasn't an easy decision.
1: Billy though. Donovan has a higher winning percentage. <laughs> I'll take Monty. I'll take Monty. Tom Thibodeau. Monty. Taylor Jenkins. Monty. That's an interesting one, but I'll take Monty. Monty.
0: Rick Carlisle. Monty. Michael Malone. Well, that, now that's just unfair. Oh, you're a Nuggets fan. Well, it's, I'll say Monty, but I love Moach.
1: Nate McMillan. Monty. And then Monty. Monty's winning percentage right now, by the way, is 519, according to uh, basketballreference.com. I,
0: that, obviously, the first it's season it. down by the it. New
1: Orleans seasons, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, in the New Orleans seasons. I guess that's true, too. I didn't think about it that he way. He did
0: a good job making up for it these past two years, though, with a 50-win season and a 64-win season. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah. Those are just the guys that are ahead of him in winning percentage. I mean, there's also Jason Kidd is on this list. Uh, there's other guys to consider. But I don't think there's a lot of head coaches in the NBA that I'd rather have right now than Monty Williams. It's, I'm super glad glad that they extended him.
0: Kyler Murray has a promise that he wants to keep to the fans of the Valley's team. What is that promise? That's next on Arizona Sports Saturday. 987 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Arizona Sports Saturday. For me, it's, all, it's always been about fulfilling my promise, um, which is hopefully
1: one day to bring a championship to this organization. And um, I'm a firm believer in, in, in bringing that here. Um, and I, know it's, I know it's capable. I know we're capable. Um, I know it'll be done. It's a big promise. But we're one step closer. Kyler Murray has a new contract extension. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Mitch is with me on Arizona Sports Saturday as we take you up to 1 o'clock. Uh, Thursday, we learned that Kyler Murray had a new extension. He's got two years left on the rookie deal. Mm-hmm. Those numbers we'll get to in a minute. Uh, they've changed a little bit in terms of the cap hit. But he's going to have five new seasons after that. So Kyler Murray's going to be around for the next seven seasons, all going well. He's locked up through 2028. He promised there... A championship. I, I I shouldn't say promised a championship. He promised that he wants to win a championship. That he's here. This is where he wanted to be all along.
0: And that promise he's he made when he got drafted here. This isn't like a brand new promise. No, anything, no, right? no. This is something that Kyler Murray has wanted since he stepped foot on any football field. Let's be real. You, you said you know about the... Legend, that is Kyler Murray out of Texas High School, fo- Allen High School football in Texas. I watched every game he played. 42-0, was it? Yeah. Undefeated. Yeah. Went to Oklahoma, became their starter. Well, Didn't get the national title, but... Went the, to A&M first. The dominance when he was the starter at Oakland was very evident. He hasn't had that same dominance here in the NFL, but last season was his biggest step forward to this point. And now, you're locked in... You don't have to worry about the stress of like, oh my gosh, where am I going to be? What team am I going to be on? Do I have to worry about the money that I'm making, et cetera, et cetera, all that stuff off the table now. You can purely just focus on fulfilling your promise, bringing the first ever Super Bowl And Lombardi Trophy to Arizona.
1: And what I can appreciate, too, we found out this detail from the press conference yesterday, Steve Keim talking about how Kyler Murray actually requested team-friendly language in his contract extension so that they can build a team around him over the next two seasons. I would say from my standpoint that that, you know, not only does the player get taken care of, but there is some team-friendly things in there that, that were important to Kyler. So that says a lot about him as a teammate and as a competitor, that he wants good players around him, and he understands that. But at the same time, we knew that we had to reward him as well for the great play and what all he's accomplished and really what the expectations are moving forward, which are extremely high. So really, what the numbers break down to is he's going to have about twelve point seven million cap hit this year. I believe is what it is. Next yes. year, I think it's sixteen and a half, almost seventeen. million? Okay, I would call it 16, sixteen. Even sixteen million dollars next season, which I believe was brought down from the original number that he would have had mm-hmm. had he not signed a contract extension. Yes. So essentially, what you have here is kind of the Madison Bumgarner deal. When he signed a five-year, oh, I, $85 million deal. No, no, no. I no. don't want that comparison. No, no, no. <laughs> roll, roll with me for a second. Okay, okay. It's a big deal. It's a lot of money. Yes. But it's kind of backloaded in a way that the first season, or two in this case, is a comparable No, It's a low number so that you can build around that player. That also seems Believe to Believe me, di- it's totally different from the Madison Bumgarner sure. situation, but the individual contracts were designed in a similar way.
0: That seems to be the trend in general, is to backload a contract, right? So that you're... Showing that you're committed to now and you want to be as good as you can be now, but then as the years go on, you want your money. Well, that's what Madison did too. He took
1: six million in the first season of his contract, and then it jumped up to like eighteen and then twenty. So you weren't making as much in the first year, so that well, you could try at, to win now. Look at how that turned out. For I know, me, I know. It's a bad comp,
0: I guess. Now the, I think you understood where I, I was think. Going. I think you and I both agree that this is not going to happen to the Cardinals. They're not going to give out this contract to what is clearly the best option that they had at quarterback, and will have at quarterback, and just flounder. I don't think that's going to happen. You went out and got Kyler's best friend, his number one target at Oklahoma, and an easy, easy stopgap for DeAndre Hopkins' six games that he's going to miss to start the season in in Marquise Hollywood Brown. You've got that covered. You've got three really good tight ends. I would say, in Zach Ertz, Trey McBride, and Max Williams. Williams is not there yet health-wise, but as you and I talked about when Trey McBride got drafted, he was one of the best tight ends in college football last year, even coming out of a Mountain West school. So I think there's plenty of opportunities for Kyler Murray to prove that he can play up to the level of like... The Rodgerses, the Bradys, the Russell Wilsons, or even in his same age class, like the Burrows, the Herberts. The I mean, he's already superseded any other quarterback in his draft class, and maybe even some of them in the class before him. But like to get to the levels that Josh Allen already has, to get to the levels that Lamar Jackson already has, it's strong consistency and working with the stuff that's around you. And Kyler has given Steve Kim that flexibility to do it these first two years. And hopefully that sets him up for the years to come when it becomes a lot harder to bring guys in because you're getting paid more.
1: So now, I, I believe as we currently stand, the Cardinals have around $10 million in cap space. Yes. Which is enough heading into training camp that you can take a few lottery tickets essentially. For
0: what they need, yes, it's enough. um. You got Rodney Hudson back this week. Thank Thank goodness. goodness. And thanks to the social media team for reminding us that Rodney Hudson is back, because I needed that reminder.
1: (laughs) We're all just so much better off with Rodney Hudson here than than when we were questioning whether or not he was going to be around for the season. Uh, That would have opened up some some cap space had he retired, but I'd much rather have Rodney Hudson than cap space, believe me, especially at this point in the offseason. So they've tied up the loose ends. Hudson's back. Kyler Murray is back. He even said, uh, jokingly yesterday, uh, Colt McCoy asked him a question about, will you be at walkthrough tomorrow? And Kyler was like, yeah, I'll be there at walkthrough tomorrow. Question back here. Uh, Colt McCoy. Uh, this seems like a great press conference. You guys really seem like you're on the same page. Um, got matching suits. It's awesome. Uh, question for Kyler, though. you're going to uh, Quarterbacks just want to know if you're going to be at walkthrough tomorrow. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll I'll be there. I'll be there. I actually didn't get to hear that part of the press conference, so that was cool.
1: It's simple. It's goofy. It's obviously just a good time between a starter and his backup, a veteran backup in Colt McCoy, who, by the way, totally understands where Kyler's coming from on a lot of this. He was a big-name college quarterback as well. Uh, He was drafted very high, was basically the guy in Heisman Cleveland for a minute. in
0: Texas, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, no better guy to learn from. So to hear the two of them joking in his press conference was really good for
0: me. But the other part of that is, and I'm sure it'll come when he actually gets back in the locker room with the guys. When He talked about that. Training camp starts in a couple of days. But to know that there's that amount of levity in what was a pretty stressful situation, right? Like, would you say that getting this contract situation figured out was kind of stressful for a lot of parties? Well... what's interesting about that I I like that you brought it up one of my favorite
1: moments probably the most revealing moment of the entire press conference to me there weren't many of them most of it we could have predicted was that he brought swoosh (laughs) he brought his dog swoosh that dog dog was adorable we gotta get Kyler some friends man yeah um No, the most revealing moment to me was he talked about dark days during this process. There yeah. were some dark days. And he was asked, I don't know who asked the question, but he was asked about the dark days, what does that mean? And he essentially threw a little bit of shade, like joking shade, at his agent Eric Burkhart who's been the vocal one all along. I, to me, it was it was revealing because he basically said there were some social media, there was some heat I took on social media. And I, I blame, he even said, I blamed him for that. I think he was talking about Eric Burkhart in that moment. They yeah. laughed. It was funny. I don't think he was actually mad at the guy. Obviously, everyone got what they wanted in the end. Everyone signed the dotted line. They get their money and everything. And everyone's all the better for it. But I wondered all along how he felt about the approach of being vocal and loud and boisterous during the offseason to get him a deal. Because... If I were Kyler, you're like, dude,
0: you're making me look like the bad guy. And it wasn't all him either. A lot of people were quick to assume that it was Kyler's doing, when in reality, like, it was mostly Burkhardt's doing, right? Like, did Kyler want to cut, uh, pull all of his Instagram pictures? No, not really. That was kind of like Eric Burkhardt's doing. It's like, get the Cardinals' attention. There you go.
1: Hey, happy contract extension week to all of you listening. Thanks so much for checking out the show. For Mitch Vareldis, for Trevor Henry behind the glass, I'm Steve Zinsmeister. You've been listening to Arizona Sports Saturday.